morning. Our opening hymn, well, our, um, our, uh, we're on page 260 uh, in the uh, LSB, and our opening hymn is hymn 507. This is the day which the Lord has made. From the rising of the sun to its setting, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Sanctify us in your truth. From the rising of the sun to its setting,
Please be seated for the readings. The first reading is from the fifth chapter of Amos. Seek the Lord and live, or he will sweep through the tribes of Jacob like a fire. He will devour them, and battle will have no one to quench it. There are those who turn justice into bitterness and cast righteousness to the ground. There are those who hate the one who upholds justice in court and detest the one who tells the truth. You levy a straw tax on the poor and impose a tax on their grain. Therefore, though you have built stone mansions, you will not live in them. Though you have planted lush vineyards, you will not drink their wine. For I know how many are your offenses and how great your sins. There are those who oppress the innocent and take bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Therefore, the prudent keep quiet in such times, for the times are evil. Seek good, not evil, that you may live. Then the Lord God Almighty will be with you, just as you say he is. Hate evil, love good. Maintain justice in the courts. Perhaps the Lord God Almighty will have mercy on the remnant of Joseph. This is the word of the Lord. third chapter of Hebrews. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. 
we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end, as has just been said. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. This is the word of the Lord.
rise for the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 10th chapter. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad, because he had great wealth. This is the gospel of the Lord. We continue with the responsory. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the heavens. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. The, can, the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods. You, you shall, shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his man servant or maid servant. Please be seated as we sing the hymn of the day, hymn 688.
God's grace, His mercy, and His peace be multiplied to you through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God is complex. And I think, um, I don't know, they've had uh, illustrations, people trying to uh, explain God. I'll use one of the illustrations uh, of blind men trying to describe an elephant. And one of them grabs the leg and says, an elephant is like a tree trunk. Very strong, very, very big. And another one is under the belly and reaches and says, God is like a big tank that can hold a lot of things. Another one's at the trunk. God is like a hose that absorbs a lot of things, I suppose. And another's at the tail. God is like a rope. And none of those are really true at all, but they are somewhat descriptive. Here we can see, uh, and it can be explained theologically, that God is, is a God of vengeance, right? And some people, that's what they see. They see a God of vengeance. He is an angry God, and He's always telling us to do stuff, and He's always shaking His finger at us. And indeed, God cannot abide sin. And what are we? Sinful. But is that the end? Is that everything? No, we know this is not everything. God is love. I mean, he's got no principles. He just loves anybody. I mean, people we don't want to love, God loves. What kind of a God is that? Doesn't he have any principles? Doesn't he have, he have any rules or regulations? I guess if God's just going to let everybody into heaven, I suppose I'm just going to go ahead and do what I want to do, and God will pick up the tab. Well, God is indeed love, but that's not a proper description of God at all. And there you have polar opposites. God is vengeful. And indeed, there's scriptures. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will pay. I will. I be the one who will, will take it out. I will judge. And then, and then he says, those who are weary, come to me. Put my yoke on your shoulders. And there you think a yoke as, as oxen pulling against the ground. I mean, just, I, you know, we're not even, as humans, we're not even fit for that. If somebody put something around you and, and had it fashioned to your back and, and put the plow in the ground and said, pull, how far would we get? 
not very far. Maybe if we got, you know, a few of us together, maybe we might be able to, to do a uh, somewhat pitiful job. But life is like that sometimes. It's pulling or, or uh, we've talked about this before. I know in Bible class, kicking against the goads, which is, you know, the apparatus behind the, the deal. Or um, someone gave another explanation of what goads are, but, uh, but you have um, things that, that are unmovable and, and life is like kicking against that. You have no, there's no way that you can overcome that. There's no way you can overcome yourself. Wherever you go, you have to take yourself with you. You can't take a vacation from yourself. So if you're angry at yourself or if you're, or maybe you're happier than you should be about yourself, right? And some other people aren't as happy about you than you are about yourself. You go around arrogantly without realizing it. But there you go. You have to take yourself, oh, well, I am who I am. Love it or leave it. Life is hard. And then there's God and what we think about God. And how is that going to help us? What has God done for us lately? Well, all of those sentiments are laced and are and derived from faulty human thinking. Because God indeed is far beyond our comprehension. I keep saying this, that if I could explain God to you in simple terms, he wouldn't be much of a God. But he is all of those things. He is a God of justice. He will pay vengeance upon vengeance. And you saw this, those people who, you know, so those people who are upset at governmental policies or, you know, getting overtaxed while certain people have... Uh, a lot of money and they're building all these things they're taxing other people and that sort of thing there this is addressed here in scripture today dishonesty don't think that god doesn't see that he does but it also says um and in this day and age of saying something seeing something saying something or protests and all of that stuff it says the prudent will remain silent Sometimes silent suffering, I suppose. Because God knows, and we know that God knows. Knowing that God knows for us, and knowing that God is far beyond our comprehension, even though he's all of those other things, perfect, loving, merciful, demanding, far beyond our ability, and yet he devised a way beyond our comprehension to give us his grace. Somebody had to pay. 
I think this is what Jesus had in mind when a guy came up to him and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Inherit. Which assumes that you're part of the family. And perhaps he's thinking he is part of the family, but maybe, maybe he heard somebody say something. I don't know. Maybe somebody said, wow, you got a lot of money, and rich people don't get into heaven, right? That might be another thing that people think. Rich people don't get into heaven. It is harder for a rich man to get into heaven than it is to pass a, a, a camel through the eye of a needle. And the eye of a needle is a completely different thing than what we're thinking. We're thinking uh, of something that might be far more impossible, although if you have a knife and a good blender, I'm sure you can pass anything through anything if you try hard enough. Even as disgusting as that is. But the point still stands. And this is a, an example of a man who had great riches. And what was Jesus telling him? He really wasn't telling him the right answers, was he? And this can be very confusing. But Jesus is conversing with a particular individual. The man calls him good, and Jesus says, Why do you call me good? Only God is good. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God, and therefore he is good. The man was right. But have you been, ever been right for the wrong reasons? I think the closest I can come to that is... I don't know if I was right or not, but I think I had homework and I didn't prove my answer. And I didn't get credit for being right. Because I didn't prove it. This man right here, he might know enough about Jesus. He might not know enough to see that he's good. But maybe not like the thief on the cross who was hanging there next to Jesus and said, you don't deserve this. Jesus knew the difference. Hence, Jesus is God. He knows the difference. Sometimes he knows the difference in us better than we know it in ourselves, right? Have you ever condemned yourself unjustly? The answer is yes, you have, because everybody does. Everybody condemns themselves unjustly because we were brought up a certain way. We were told that this is a sin. We were told that if you do that, maybe you're going to go to hell or something like that. And we might even look at this and say, wait a minute, this guy, what did Jesus say? How do you get to heaven? How do we Christians get to heaven? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Right? Why? Well, because we know that God gives us faith. And if you have faith, you have that gift from God. Guess where you're going? To heaven. Yeah, but you don't know what a stinker I've been. Well, but God does. And hence, you can say, I don't deserve salvation, and I'll agree with you all day long. I don't deserve salvation. 
But I agree with God who says, I have it. That's why I'm up here. Is it because, you know, I'm a great guy? I know, we could argue about that all day, but, but the fact of the matter is, the one who's important, Jesus, was a great guy. He was indeed good, and he is indeed God. So this man says, and, and, and Jesus gives him the law, What's the, what's the commandment say? You shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. Another description of God, right? That God. Christianity is all about rules and regulations and things you can't do. It's no fun. Christians don't have fun at all. You know, indeed, some Christians don't have any fun. And some Christians uh, take Christianity and try to make it their own little kingdom and make it less fun for other people than it already is. But once again, we as God's children understand that even when we grow up in our household, when you grew up, now we can't even take for granted you had a mom or a dad, or mom and dad weren't kind of, I didn't know, having difficulties of their own. Maybe we take too much for granted there, too. But we know that there were rules and regulations. And we know that in the end, we realized when we got our own place that maybe it is good to clean your own room and clean the, you know, the turlets, right? And the, and the bathrooms and the zinks. All of those things were good. And they were, you gotta, but... You know, and, and thank God he doesn't leave everything to on our has-to-do list. Things like taking a breath. You ever, you see, that never, you know, if a, if a child, and I don't even remember if one of the children ever did that and held their breath. No, I'm not going to take a breath. I'm so angry, I'm not going to take a breath. I'm just, okay, just go in the corner. Go wherever you want to do. Hold your breath as long as you want. But I can guarantee you, you're going to take one. You can't help it. And I do believe that in some ways, when we become children of God, we can't help certain things either, right? You can't. It's not something that you really have to... Organize, or sometimes it is. Sometimes we do have to make conscience, conscious efforts to do things. Other times we don't. It just comes out naturally. Why? Because we have become children of our Father. We are indeed chips off the old block. We are. And so we do things that even surprise ourselves, and we can change. And we can show mercy. And we can show grace. Why? Because we know that we have received mercy and grace and forgiveness and all of those things. But this rich person came and, I guess, was at a crossroads. I need an answer from this guy 
and I want to know, what must I do? Which is, of course, the wrong question. We know this question is wrong. We know it's not the right one. What must I do? You're going to be wrong all the time. The emphasis is on the wrong syllable. It's what Jesus did and what God gives to us as a result. Faith. Jesus did it perfectly. But this man nonetheless is saying, The commandments? Sure, I've kept the commandments. I haven't done any of these things wrong. And it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. And Jesus is thinking, this man's riches, because Jesus already knows. This man's riches is getting in the way. He is the proverbial camel trying to get in. He can't get through. And the needle used to be a very narrow opening because city walls and all of that stuff, sometimes, you know, you needed a narrow opening that, that could not be used in time of war, but could be used, you know, you could squeeze through and a camel couldn't get in, right? That's just like on Bourbon Street when they put those, uh, those things up and cars can't pass through and somebody tries anyway. Just consider it out a needle right there. Yeah, no, that, that you're not supposed to get in there. This means you. Yeah, if you're stuck, and even if you drove through, if we catch you in there, you're still not supposed to be in there. And this guy had a problem with his riches. Now, the, it, you could have a, be a rich man, you could be somebody who, you, who considers themselves rich. Let's say you are charismatic and you get whatever you want. Now you're, you know, you're rich in those things, in the things of the world. And you're so rich in those things that you don't believe you need God at all. Matter of fact, you like, you like the, the stuff that you can accomplish, the things that you can do. And in doing so... You don't need God because God is for weak people, right? Somebody once said that. Somebody big in politics is that organized religion, and I know what they're saying, is for weak people. Or you can be a psychiatrist or psychologist, and you can say, you know, faith and religion is a good thing to lean on. It's a crutch to help us to get through whatever. And whatever it is that you use as your crutch is what you need. It serves you well, and it makes it valid simply because you can get through certain things and move on. You see, that's a psychological look at what religion is. Unfortunately, once again, it does not describe our God. It doesn't reach that And the problem is, is that those people who are outside of the kingdom, who are blind and who are reaching around and touching and trying to touch and feel God and who God is and all of that, they're on the outside. And they may approach the truth. It's kind of like this, you know, you, you're, you know, this line extends down here 
you, 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 can, you can describe God and you can do it in a, in a, a very technical way and all of those things and you can kind of get nearer to Him, but until God welcomes you, you'll never get God. You'll never have the essence. You'll never have God's Spirit. And those people who are within God's kingdom, we know it. We have no problem disseminating those kinds of things and knowing that we are a Christian. And when we are uh, shaky on that, we have people who can reassure us that this is what God says. And you know in your heart. You see, every Sunday when I say something, you sit there, you believing uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, and you go, that's right, the preacher was shelling out the corn today. Oh, yeah, he was picking the peas, and he, he was doing it. Uh, why? Because, because you say in your heart of hearts, I agree. My faith agrees with this. And what is pastor doing? He is simply disseminating things that you already know and encouraging you to continue on in that reality of God and his love. And yes, God's vengeance and that can hurt because maybe we know some rich people. And again, you know what I'm talking about when I say rich people? People who, oh yeah, I used to know God, but I don't need God anymore. That's just, you know, pff, that's childish stuff. Rich people. And it hurts. And I can, you know, I was just thinking about that. I bet you some of those people who are so rich they don't need God, I bet you if you said, Our Father, who are, they could go, Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom. The words are still there. And I hope and I pray that rich people, if they ever get frustrated, may recall those words and may say those words. And perhaps God will reach in and say, just like he did to this, to this man. He looked at him and he loved him. And this is our God loving us, the unlovable. But this man here had a problem and God said, you need to, your riches are getting in the way of your salvation because when you think about things, you think about maybe pulling out a wallet, forking over some money and getting whatever you want. And salvation is not for sale, my friend. How much would you sell? How much would you buy salvation for? There's those parables, right? You know, the, the guy uh, who, the jewelry guy or whatever, pearl merchant, uh, went and he found this perfect pearl, and he went, you know, it's kind of like, no, it can't be. And he looked at it, and he looked at it some more, and he went, yeah, I, I know, I've seen better, you know. And then he went and put it there, and he liquidated everything because that person knew what a good pearl it was, and he did, and it was going to cost him more than he really had. And you, how does this make any sense? This guy's going to go sell everything, and he's going to buy something he's not going to want to sell. That's not good business. It's not. But we're not talking about business. 
We're talking about everlasting life, and we're talking about seeing something that is so perfect, you are willing to sell everything for it. And this guy, in a reality, was, is going to go purchase that pearl. He's going to go put it in his home, and he's going to set it up, and he's going to probably put lights on it or something like that. And people are going to come in, and he's going to say, look at that, look at that, look at that. You know, you would expect to see this imperfection here. This doesn't have any of that stuff. I mean, this is, a, this is something that belongs in a museum, but I have it. I possess it. Where does salvation belong? In a museum? It's perfect. Salvation is perfect. What does it cost? Nothing. And yet, everything, Right? You follow God, you die to yourself, and you rise up. Religion, Christianity, is full of dying to self and living for Christ. But do you disappear? No, you don't. And who is the one who's in control. Do you feel free? Because Christianity sets us free, does it not? What are we free from? We're free from a lot of the tentacles of the world that want to come and capture us and lead us astray. And there's a lot of those tentacles. We've talked a lot about those things the apartment complexes, you know, you're on a street and Jesus is at the end and there's apartment complexes and there's people yelling, you know, trying to sell you stuff and yelling at you, you know, from both sides, all the floors. It's a lot of noise. And yet, keep your eye on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, and we continue on and we continue on. And maybe we have each other, right? To encourage each other to continue on and continue on. Yeah, but that person's yelling some stuff that I, you know, it's that, let me just go and engage them in conversation. No, don't do it. And indeed, when we reach Jesus and Jesus calls us home, that's when life really begins. And this is what we Christians know. The world can say that this is a pie in the sky, but we know that our God has sufficiently convinced us that He is real, He is true, He is loving, vengeful, perfect, merciful, graceful, God is all-powerful. He's going to get his way in the end. Thank God we get to inherit eternal life through Jesus Christ who suffered and died on the cross for us. And when Jesus looks at us and we go to Jesus, he looks at us and he loves us. And he knows our name because we are his children. And we will inherit eternal life. May these words give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen.
as we have uh, provided to receive offering at the, um, nor the uh, front of the Northex, there we continue with the offertory hymn 956, We Rise. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the gift of divine peace and of pardon, with all our heart and with all our mind, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the holy Christian church here and scattered throughout the world, and for the proclamation of the gospel and the calling of all to faith, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this nation, for our cities and communities, and for the common welfare of us all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For seasonable weather and for fruitfulness of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For those whose la uh, who labor, for those whose work is difficult or dangerous, and for all who travel, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For all those in need, for the hungry, the homeless, for the widowed and orphaned, for all those in prison, let us pray to the Lord. Lord for the sick and the dying, for those who care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord for Brianna Crabtree, uh, with health concerns, for all those people whose names are written in our bulletin that, we, that are ever before us and before you, let us pray to the Lord. Lord Finally, for all these and for all our needs of body and soul, let us pray to the Lord. We pray together the collect. Let us pray. Our Lord Jesus, you have endured the doubts and foolish questions of every generation. Forgive us for trying to be judged over you, and grant us the confident faith to acknowledge you as Lord. Blessed Lord, Caused all holy scripture to be written for our learning, grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and take them to heart, that by patience and comfort of your word, holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my feelings in life may please you. For in your name, I command myself, my body, soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil will have the power of 
Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the light of the world, the light no darkness can overcome. A reading from Mark chapter 1. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, and had a leather girdle around his waist, and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 28. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. And from Romans chapter 6. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Jesus Christ baptized into his death therefore we have been buried with him by baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father so we too might walk in newness of life for if we have been united with him in a death like his we will certainly be united with him in the resurrection like his In baptism, God brings us into his family and calls us his own. By baptism, God gives us the gifts of faith, love, life, forgiveness, and strength, and asks us to respond in faithfulness to him in service to others. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for the new life you have given us through holy baptism. We ask you to bless our October baptisms. Remember, remind them of the anniversary of their baptism. Continue to strengthen them with the Holy Spirit. Increase in them your gifts of grace spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the knowledge, spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, the spirit, spirit of joy in your presence. We remind, are reminded of Jim Decker, Hayden Arborough, Derek Whitty, Bailey Rowe, Easton Humble, Emma Clayson, Mindy Bloom, John McCauley, Blake Juno, Gazette Seifert, Jane Ragusa, Leroy Harper, Giancarlo Viramontes. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. The Almighty and Merciful Lord, the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit bless and preserve you. Closing him is 655.
right, announcements. Uh, let's rise and do the mission statement. Yeah. As believers in Christ, St. Stephen Lutheran Church, to serve God and share the good of the Go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be God.